To the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Evan Lionheart of EvanLionheart.com in New Jersey, and in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood of LuckyMojo.com in Forestville, California, Contraman of ContramanConsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California, and this week's special guest. Robin, Robin, Miss Robin of RobinsMojo.com in Northern California on the dangers of divination. Together they will take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of hoodoo, conjure, or root work as divined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first let's catch up with our co-hosts, Ms. Kat and Conjurman. Ms. Kat? Hi, Evan. Nice to hear your sweet voice. We're running a little late here behind the scenes. Um, People have noticed I didn't even post my usual post, music. And that's because my husband had control of my mouse and wouldn't let me use it because he was running so late he hadn't posted all of the announcements to Facebook and social media about the show yet. So I think he's caught up, maybe, maybe not. No, he's still running my computer. It's like my computer is a zombie and it's all happening in front of me. Um, However, the reason I was trying to post to Facebook is to let people know that we don't have a sign-up for this week's free reading. And I was trying to get the word out on Facebook. So um, I think I have my mouse back. Maybe I do. All right. Great. Wonderful. Um, So if you or any friend of yours wants a reading, now is the time to call into Blog Talk Radio, get on the line, And um, if you can, go to the Lucky Mojo forum where we have a sign-up sheet for the free reading and post your message there so that when it comes time for the reading later in the show, Evan will be able to read it out loud. Um, We are looking for somebody, some lucky person. Um, Okay, that's it for that. Now I think we're back to normal. Just double-tasking instead of triple-tasking. So my news for the week has been that I've been working at uh, my Patreon web pages again, and that's been a lot of fun. I went back to something I had been working on um, earlier in the year, back in January and February. I was working on the Mystic Tea Room, and I was putting in some material about psychic tea rooms. You all know that Uh, Gregory Lee White and I wrote a book called Stranger in the Cup, which is about tea leaf reading. And in that book, we described just briefly how tea leaves used to be read at 
tea rooms. In other words, you'd go to a tea room and you'd get a free tea leaf reading. And a lot of people were intrigued by it. So I've been collecting material on strange methods of fortune-telling, unusual methods of fortune-telling for years. And this is one of the more unusual. And uh, so I have quite a lot of artifacts on the history and advertisements for tea leaf reading at tea leaf at tea rooms at tea rooms and so i put out a patreon page about it and it's quite large quite intricate it has advertisements matchbook covers newspaper um clippings and so forth and it's been what i've been doing this last week and i'm going to finish that one up next week for my patrons with another related article on tea room advertising not just for psychic tea rooms, but all kinds of tea room advertising on matchbook covers. Um, something that you don't see anymore because smoking is no longer permitted in restaurants. So that's what I've been up to. Um, just getting up my courage to start making my video for the September 11th and 12th Virtual Hoodoo Heritage Festival. And my mm. video will be on sex magic. But I needed to take a little break with the tea rooms and... Um, kind of calm down a little bit. So that's where I'm at. And uh, all is well here health-wise. Our friends Nicole Karavich and Althea Anderson and Sunny Santos have opened their shop in Forestville. And I've already been receiving phone calls from people asking, is that a Lucky Mojo shop? No, it's not. It's a shop called the Occult Boutique, Redwood Witchery, Muddy Rivers Occult Boutique. And they carry Lucky Mojo products, and they are open to the public. And you can go down on Front Street in Forestville and find our products there. So that's the, the apparently the rumor has gotten out that we've changed our name and opened a store on Front Street. Nope. They are buying from us at wholesale, and they are selling at retail, just like so many of our other friends, Madame Pamita, Susan Diamond, Serpent Kiss, um, Oh, my gosh, there's so many people um, that carry Lucky Mojo products, uh, Mama E, the Conjure Doctor. There's a, a whole slew of network of friends by, by Conjure and Candlelight is another one, and uh, the Purple Broom is another one all over the country. And this one just happens to be in Forestville, which is kind of a trip. So that's the news on that. All righty, that's all I have to add to the world today. Let me turn this over to Conjurman. What have you been up to, dear? Oh, you know, busy as as usual. Um, I, I turned in my video a while back, and I can tell you it's going to be a fun one. So I'm very excited to see what you cook up. Um, it's kind of an interesting approach. It's very different from doing it live, uh, but we've done this last year. And we're trying it again this year, but the filming the workshops and then uh, linking them to the PDFs, which have uh, all sorts of free spells and all sorts of good info. It's a really unique, unique experience. Uh, just as a preview for people who are still thinking about whether they should uh, you know, sign up or not in the Protection Against the Dark Arts, the Defense Against the Dark Arts workshop, you walk away making a bottle spell that will protect your home, which will also talk about like the long history of protection magic and the various strategies you can develop in order to protect yourself and your home. This is really kind of an expose of all the, all the cool secrets that, you know, sorcerers and magicians and, and spirit workers have been using 
using since time immemorial. And you're going to see that replicated in all the workshops, in-depth history and theory, but hands-on practical approach. You know, Evan's doing a fantastic workshop on uh, astrology. Lady Muse is talking about deities. I mean, Kat, you've got the down-home sex magic. There really is and I'm not just saying this because I'm I'm part of it, but there really is no other workshop like this. It's, you know, founded by our Miss Cat and, and our wonderful guest that's joining us in just a moment, Miss Robin, many, many years ago and it's evolved into this fantastic, fantastic workshop. Um as an academic who often attends academic workshops, <laughs> workshops can be very boring. These are not. They're hands on, they're exciting, and I've seen some of the technical wizardry that Deacon Miller has uh, done here, and he technical wizardry is the only way to describe it, and it is phenomenal. It's fantastic. So I do encourage everyone to join. You don't want to miss out on all those sort of fun things that you can learn there. So I'm 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 sitting in this sort of relaxed state where I've already sent in all my materials, the PDFs and whatnot, back uh, I think June 30th or whatever, whatever the deadline was. I sent that in. And so now I'm just looking forward to when the actual workshops are coming about. In the meantime, I've been quite busy with, with readings. I've discussed how this past summer has been a really intense summer in regards to love um, and in regards to people trying to connect which is, has been interesting. Um, and I think we've discussed this, Kat, and, and this really ties mm-hmm. to the idea of div, uh, our topic of divination to some degree. But um, people are wanting to know, right? The COVID is sort of ending, though it's spiking up in other places and things are heating up. But people have reached that point after a year in lockdown where they're like, all right, I need to... I need to go out there. I need to put myself out there. I need to find a date. I need to, and whatnot. So I had a client that I've been working on, a few clients over the past few months, but there's one in particular that uh, was a bit difficult, and I have her permission to share this, this story, but uh, we did a natal chart reading for her a while back because she hadn't been in a, in a relationship for several years. And I come from the, the tradition, and this is true in hoodoo, that your life should have love, money, wealth, success. That's your natural state. And when you don't have one of those things, something has gone wrong. Nobody is destined mm-hmm. to be alone. No one's destined to be poor. No one's destined to not have success. You're destined to have all of those things. Your natural state is one of blessings. So what happens to take that blessing away? So we did a natal chart reading, and we did, uh, and you talked about this uh, last week, Kat, when we talked about timing. You talked about unaspected Venuses and afflicted Venus, and it was right. a very clear issue of uh, Venus was afflicted uh, as well as the ruler of the seventh house, which is the house of relationships, uh, was, was in fall, um, and Venus was making an opposition to Saturn. So it was not a, a beautiful, it was not a good configuration, but it gave us a clear indication, okay, this is what was going wrong. So we did some cleansing work, uh, did some love and crossing a couple months back, and she started dating right away, very quickly, love and crossing work. And I'm happy to report that just Friday, Friday or Thursday, my days are getting blurred. Friday or Thursday, I got an email for her saying that after the several dates she's gone on, she's think she's found one that she wants to settle on. So we're now moving into the next stage. We've done the sort of put up the magical sign of, hey, the cookies that, you know, the oven is on, I'm baking cookies, come and hang out. And now we've decided that we want to keep one of the people who've shown up. And we're moving on to the stage uh-huh. of now doing a little bit of specific love work on this. So very happy to report things are moving in a beautiful direction this summer. For 
Well, that sounds wonderful. And um, you're so right. Astrological long-term um, analysis can help people. Eventually, mm-hmm. they finally get around to it. After after all the card readings in the world haven't solved their problem, <laughs> and the pendulums keep on saying, yep, it's bad, it's bad, they finally say, I, I need to go back to basic principles here. And astrology usually is the basic principle that underlies long-term lifetime situations. Now, some mm. people are born with a very nice astrological aspect, and they never bother to learn about it or think about it because everything's fine. It's those who kind of catch up with it later who come to value astrology because it, it shows the long-term long-term difficulties and the long-term benefits. I just was talking to a friend of mine who said that she's been under a cloud for 12 years. Oh, dear. And I went, 12 years. And now she's moving and she's buying a house. And I'm like, hmm, 12 years. Sounds like Jupiter. Maybe I should do her yep. chart. <laughs> yeah. I was about to say, it sounds like a Jupiter cycle. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. I mean, so, yeah, it's funny how these, you know, people pop that number out at you and you go, oh, I know what that is. So, yeah. <laughs> well, we have um, uh, today with us. Ms. Robin, and I'm going to introduce her, and then we're going to talk with her, and then we're going to um, talk about the topic that she brings, and then we're going to do a reading. And I still don't know if we have actually um, gotten someone who's going to be getting a reading. So I've put the word out all over Facebook, but I don't know if we have a client yet. So Ms. Robin is the co-founder of the Hoodoo Heritage Festival. Ms. Robin... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Ms. Robin's mojo, uh, definitely a a longtime reader, one of my best psychic friends, and uh, somebody who really has a natural psychic gift, <clears throat> and is known for doing all kinds of wild and woolly workshops at the Hoodoo Heritage Festival, <laughs> some of which have been um, really um, amazing to folks. So this is going to be a good one again. Our topic today is going to be on kind of the scary side of divination, when divination goes wrong. So this is right up Miss Robin's alley. She likes to throw a little bit of uh, warnings in every once in a while. So welcome to the show, Miss Robin. How are you doing today? Welcome, welcome, Miss Robin. I'm fine. Thank you, guys. I'm fine. uh, But I'm tired. I'm trying to run this workshop, and it's just like running me ragged, and I got spells, and I'm doing stuff today that I need to be doing. (laughs) But I always have time for the radio show because, oh, this radio show has been going on for a long time. We done did different sets. We started off 15 years ago with just doing a, a podcast with five of us, and it just, mm-hmm. Panel. it has matured so many times. So, yeah, I've been around a long time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well you, you, you really, yeah, you really have um, a way with teaching. And, you know, it's one of those things. You came and said, let's start this whole thing up. And I'm like, really? Okay. You know, if you want to do it, all right. But then I found out how good you were at it. <laughs> it was pretty, pretty cool. <laughs> There, right. was a, there was there uh, was 
uh, just real briefly as a real anecdote, there was a workshop that we were all a part of, uh, and people might remember this. It was a couple years back at the Hoover Heritage Festival. It was a cursing panel, and it was uh, Miss Robin, Miss Cat, uh, myself, Dr. E, the late Dr. E, um, and we were all sharing our favorite methods of, of cursing. And I can just tell you, these two women here, Miss Cat and Miss Robin, were on a whole other level. Miss Robin had brought her cursing doll and was demoing the cursing doll. And when I tell you that the entire workshop and class like, were like at the edge of their seats, like just, wow, what? And Miss Cat showed us a whipping spell. Do you remember this cat? You had a whip <laughs> yeah. with you. Yeah. Showed us a whipping spell. I'm t- when I'm telling you that they blew the roof off of this workshop. I've been a root worker mm-hmm. for years, and I walked away going, damn, these women are, are powerful. I learned so much, and mm-hmm. I was a pro panelist. It was so, so good. But, you know, that was that, that is the basis of Robin's and my friendship. You know, I said, well, I know this whipping spell, and she goes, but I don't have a whip. And she goes, oh, I've got a whip. <laughs> It was like, we're we're like right on it with each other. It's really funny how we think the same way. So she brought her whip and I whipped it. All right. Um, Well, let's talk about the dangers of divination. Now, I'm going to just start this with a little bit of theory, and um, we can talk about how what we know, and we can also, of course, take some comments and questions from the chat room. So, Divination is often portrayed as dangerous, not only to Mm -hmm. the person who gets the divination done for themselves, but to the diviner. And there are um, many uh, literary and um, mythological ideas behind the the fortune teller, the diviner, Mm -hmm. the seer, or the prophet, or prophetess, as they used to be called, who... Um, comes to a bad end or suffers because of being able to make prophecies. So this is built into the um, cultural beliefs of a number of people. However, not every culture has those beliefs. I don't know of um, cultural beliefs that are about the punishment of the prophet um, or seer in every culture, but in a few there are, especially in the Middle East. It's a kind of a trope, I guess. So that's number one. Number two is the person who asks for the divination gets more than they bargained for. The mm-hmm. seer tells them true. It turns out to be frightening to them, and they end up coming to exactly the end that was prophesied by a roundabout way that could not have seemed obvious. These are literary devices, but they probably did happen to somebody. I'm not saying that they are impossible of fulfilling or impossible of happening but they are also seen in several cultures um, one of my favorite of course is um, King Saul and the Witch of Endor um, you know but there's a bunch of those where you know you go to the diviner you get more information than you wanted and it goes bad and had you not had that information you might have done better because now you're all scared because you got told bad news So this puts an extra burden on the diviner. Does the diviner not deliver bad news because, you know, it it could harm somebody? Do they always deliver cheerful news or do they just tell the truth? And that brings up the idea of being afraid of going to diviner because, my God, what if they tell you the truth, right? Mm. And we've had talks on this show before about how 
people come to me and they say, well, well, what about my surgery? And I go, doesn't look so good. And they go, I don't want to hear that. Tell me, pull another card. And so that is one of the dangers of divination. You will hear the truth. Another mm-hmm. divination is you may be lied to. There are diviners who make a business of fraud, and we all know who they are. There's been plenty of them over the years. They defraud people by telling them scary stories or happy stories that are just not true, have no basis in divination, and they're just trying to get the person to come back and spend more money. But the danger of divination that's the most serious from our perspective as practitioners is the danger of opening a door to knowledge or to a conveyor of knowledge who is not having our best interests at heart. Mm-hmm. And you you could practice a form of divination and think that you're talking to an angel, but you're talking to a devil. And there's more than that that can be done. So with those ideas, the dangers of divination from people who don't know what they're doing, people who defraud you, people who don't want to hear the divination, and the diviners themselves who are under somewhat of a curse, then we add to that the final danger, the danger of the divination tools, the danger mm. of the tools themselves. So I'm going to turn this over to Miss Robin and let her take it away. Well... The divination of tools I want to talk about today is the Ouija board. Mm -hmm. A lot of times people think of it as a game because you can buy it in a Toys R Us or or you can buy it in a over the internet um, at the uh, at stores that that sell Ouija boards. But some people think of it as a game, and then some people don't believe in it. But it does open up doors. Sometimes it opens up doors that you cannot even close. You can bring up sometimes spirits, but also you can bring up demons. And this is going to be one of my topics that is going to be in the seminar for the festival, is how you can tell the difference between spirits and demons. But today we're just going to talk about how to open up and and the door. If you're going to play with the Ouija board, how to do it a correct way and how to do it the wrong way. The wrong way is being ignorant about it in the first place, thinking that it cannot harm you as a toy. Because a lot of times spirits are all around us all the time. But they look for ways of getting in. And when you open up things like this to get in, that's how they're able to penetrate Hmm. your role of getting into you or getting into your home or getting anywhere by just playing the story. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, um, People are asking me to buy a, a, a quieter keyboard. That ain't going to happen. Um, just if you don't like my typing, um, I don't know what to say. But uh, sorry about that. Um, the 
I like it loud. See, it's an ASMR thing. Okay, guys? It's an ASMR thing, the clicking of the keyboard. Um, It's a friend of mine, (laughs) companion, that sound. (laughs) All right. Well, what Miss Robin said is absolutely true. The one divination tool that has the worst reputation, the most scary reputation, the most well-deserved reputation for danger is the Ouija board because Mm, it opens a portal to a ghostly, haunted realm. It is not um, always a realm of happy, happy spirits. And um, there are... Many, many people who think, oh, yeah, the Ouija board is made by Parker Brothers. It's a toy. Now, Mm -hmm. right before the show started, um, a contraband was telling us about what he had seen at a bookstore. Can you tell us about that, contraband? Oh, yeah. It's such a weird coincidence because at a recent bookstore, just not even a couple hours ago, uh, they had put Ouija boards just sort of everywhere. They had put them up in some of the boxes of them. And Supernatural Romance. So there's a whole section now called Supernatural Romance. I think this was the post-Twilight years. Um, and they've been there now. Ouija boards there. It was just so random that you went, oh, okay, Ouija boards and Supernatural Romance. Okay, I guess um, they must be making some type of, you know, slumber party joke or something. But it was a very bizarre coincidence here. And I think it is it is sort of fascinating that the Ouija board holds a great deal of our attention in popular imagination. When we think of divination, there's really kind of two forms of divination in popular practice or in popular culture that we see. One is obviously the tarot cards, right? Every movie has somebody going to a tarot card shop and someone pulls those cards for you. And it's always the fortune teller woman, right? And the variations of her, um, starting with the stereotypical Romani woman, often called quote-unquote gypsy, um, and then um, whatever variations exist now, or slumber party Ouija board. Those are like the two big divinations that we find in, in popular culture, and they have different sorts of anxieties associated with them. And I think the Ouija board one is the one where we fall into extremes. On one end, there's so much fear-mongering, generally from a religious perspective, that there's like, don't ever touch Ouija board. If you touch it, you're cursed. On the other end, mm-hmm. there's people who who view it as a toy, who play around with mm-hmm. it. And, oh, it's a it's a fun little thing, and it's like you're some you're conversing with spirits. This is like a biblical anxiety. Cat brought up the witch of Endor. The witch of Endor was a necromancer. She mm-hmm. she summoned she summoned the dead. That was the whole issue. Is that it wasn't just that she was foretelling the future. It was that she was conjuring the spirits of the dead. And so there is a a good deal of anxiety, some right, some wrong, around the Ouija board. But there's a reason for that. And the reason for that is that it is probably the form of divination that involves the most interaction with a force outside of oneself. All the other forms of divination can arguably, yeah, you can claim to be working with oracle spirits, you can claim to be working with your divining guides, but many people, when they form, look at divination, it's a form of 
internal interpretation. Ah, this is my psychic sense. This is my interpretation. This is my connection to meaning within myself. It's a gift that I have, right? The way people talk about the tarot, the way that people talk about even the pendulum, right? Oh, it's my, it's my subconscious speaking to me, right? You can hear all sorts of explanations to the other divination tools. The Ouija board is like, yeah, that's a ghost from the other side is speaking to you. It's a force that is entirely outside of the self. And that revolves a level of, you have to have some level of knowledge and understanding of that other side and what that other side entails and the spirits and the entities that exist there in order to effectively use the Ouija board. The spirit board and the Ouija board are powerful, powerful tools of divination that diviners have used for a while. They're very useful, but you have to approach them with a sense of respect and caution. Yeah, you know... um that is true, that calling up the spirits of the dead, of course, are not the only spirits that the Ouija board can call up, but it can true. definitely call up spirits of the dead. In the chat room, people are talking about, you know, how, are these a game, are these a toy? And I mentioned that we sell at Lucky Mojo, we sell Ouija board knee socks. Ouija board knee mm. socks, because, you know, it's so cute. And we also sell, and I want to mention this, a beautiful line of handmade spirit boards made by Chas Bogan of the Mystic Dream of Carnivalia. And we carry um, a selection of those in our shop, and they are wonderful and very popular. Uh, they're not the uh, traditional, you know, hello, goodbye Ouija board. They have all kinds of all-seeing eye. There's an Alice in Wonderland. There's one called the Modern Witch. My favorite is one called the Vintage Halloween Spirit Board. And these handmade boards are... Um, wonderful for people who want to connect with something that was really a tool made for divination as opposed to, you know, here's this thing I bought in a toy shop. So just saying, you know, support your local artisans, and Chaz is a good one. So if we go into what's so dangerous about the Ouija board, um, there is a real problem in my mind with, people not testing the spirits. And Robin, you brought this up, yeah. that you're going to be teaching people in your workshop how to test the spirits. I'm going to start with not trying to step on your program at the workshop, but I'm going to start by reiterating this. Folks, if you start to deal with the Ouija board, you need to know that you're opening a, a door. Some people call it a portal. But just call it a door, a window, a tunnel, to another dimension and not only is it one dimension there are multiple dimensions there are dimensions of hey extraterrestrial aliens dimensions of angels dimensions of demons dimensions of the dead dimensions of the prehistoric dead the friendly dead your ancestral dead all of these spirits if you would take a moment before you open up the Ouija board and just sit and think because usually they, they're either like a big board that you put them away someplace or they're the kind that fold in half. When you take that thing down and put it on your table, just think for a moment, what will come through that? You can't just say, I'm opening my house to everybody. They're all coming over for barbecue now. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. You have to send out mm-hmm. invitations. So one mm-hmm. of the things I recommend people is that people, to people is that they learn how to send out an invitation to spirits. That won't keep away the bad ones, but it'll at least invite the good ones. 
So what do you have to say to that, Robin? Sending out invitations is a good thing, but protecting yourself is another. Before mm. did you even get onto a board, you need to protect yourself because a Ouija board playing with it is just like opening up a seance. When you open up a seance, you are asking for people to come in and, uh, and you're inviting people in. It's the same thing. And a lot of times what you do, you need to put protection up. Even when I use a Ouija board, I still put the protection up as if I was doing a seance because mm. you want to protect yourself from any evil spirit that is trying to come through. And I usually put uh, blessing oil in a cross motion in the palms of my hand, and I also put one on the forehead of me. And before I put the, the blessing oil on, I like to cleanse my hand in Florida water because I want to try to make myself as pure as possible so I won't be attracting the wrong type of spirit. A lot of times people want to just ask questions, and uh, and that's how you can get tricked too because a demon can answer questions for you and make it seem like it's a spirit answering the question, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's and and that's because you got to remember, demons are tricksters. Mm-hmm. They pretend to be people that we loved, or people that we're used to. That's why they can come to children more quickly than they can appear to adults, because mm-hmm. they can come yeah. to a child as another child, and it won't mm-hmm. frighten you. And mm-hmm. they will sit up there and play with that child until they get tired. And then they have and, and sit up there and embezzle themselves in that child's spirit. Mm. So right. a lot of times right. when you bring stuff coming through, a lot of times you don't see it. But sometimes mm-hmm. you can smell it. That's another thing. Or you can hear it. You don't mm-hmm. have to see it. Or things go falling off the, the the walls and all that kind of stuff. The tables start shaking. You don't. Sometimes you can just smell it. It can be a most awful smell around it that you can't even describe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this is a really important. Uh, Bit the the difference between spirits that speak true and spirits that don't demons tricksters etc. And there this is a commonality shared in Middle Eastern cultures, African cultures, uh, Mediterranean cultures more broadly. You find it in the Jewish tradition, the idea of unclean trickster spirits. You find it in the Islamic tradition, the difference between jinn that speak true and jinn that speak false. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a real difference there. Uh, they that they give snippets of truth, but the reality at the core of what they're saying is misleading and is also in the Central and West African tradition, all of which informs 
hoodoo. Hoodoo comes out of it. It's a Christian tradition, which also has the idea of testing the spirit, spirits of falsehood. And so this is important, that when you develop a relationship with spirit, whether it is for oracular means or it is for spiritual guidance of some sort, that not all of them are helpful. <laughs> not all of them are your allies. The same thing with ancestors, right? You, you think about the vast sea of ancestors you spring from. I promise you, one of them is a murderer, right? One of them is a crook. One of them was was a swindler. Not all of them are your allies. Not all of them are are wise and sagacious. And same thing. Not all spirits are. Some spirits of the dead are helpful, and some spirits of the dead are not. Some spirits are elemental. They're not even human. Some are demonic. And so being able to discern which spirits you're dealing with, having the protection, having the sort of shield before you kind of step into that realm is really crucial. But then also, as Miss Kat mentioned, being able to test the spirit, to make sure that it is a spirit of truth. If you've got a, you've got a spirit that you've decided is going to be your ally and you take them on as your divination spirit or to help you with tarot and whatnot, but it happens to be your great-grandmother who hated fortune-telling and, and the tarot, you've got a problem there. Is your great-grandma going to tell you the truth because she can't, you know, when you cast your tarot cards, when she hated tarot card readers in her life? So you, the, uh, the ability to discern with spirits is very crucial. I, I feel like sometimes we fall into the McDonaldization of spirits. You just kind of walk in and spirits are something on a menu. Oh, today I'm going to work with, say, Anthony, and tomorrow is St. Espadini. And then I'm going to work with my great ancestor. And maybe, and maybe I'll have a dash of, of Shango over here. And you're like, hold on a minute. These spirits are real. They're not just things for you to consume or pretty things to place on your altar or, or whatnot. There is a cultural component to them. There is a, a, a personality component to them. And all of these play a factor. If you don't come from a culture that understands, you know, the relationship to the dead, then, you know, that can be tricky. You come from a fearful mm-hmm. culture that involves with the dead. So in Virginian conjure, we do a lot of work with the dead, but there's also a little bit of escape, a little bit of caution there, because we, we also engage in things called ghost laying, and it's to put ghosts back into the cemetery. So what is your cultural understanding of spirits? What is your cultural understanding of divination? These things will inform you, and it's always good to start slow, build gradually, explore with a little bit of caution and wisdom than it is to just dive in your first week of conjure and you've already decided that you're going to take on, I don't know, Santisma Muerte as your personal patron. It's like, do you know anything about her? Have you ever studied her? Did you, she's mm-hmm. going to be your, you're going to be contacting her via Ouija board. Does she want to be contacted by a Ouija board? <laughs> right? It's like deciding that you want to call someone who doesn't want to be called. They prefer text messages. Right, so caution, <laughs> caution is a good thing here when it comes to divination. Uh, don't just dive in right away. Look at the cultural context, develop the relationship slowly, build that protection, and always, always test the spirits. Yeah, that was a funny thing that you said. I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> start worshiping Santissima Muerte, and I'm gonna contact her with the Ouija board. But you know, I've seen people do things like that and I've seen Ouija boards with the designs that right. would indicate that would, would be their purpose so this is um, first of all it's cross cultural nothing wrong with that as long as you know what you're doing Right. but there are entities that are known for their edginess that um, 
you might want to address them in a more uh, socially, culturally normative way rather than just opening up your brain for them to come on in to your life. Because some of them are known for being a little bit on the overpowering side. And I have yeah. seen um, uh, people who already have a tendency toward mental illness succumb very quickly to the Ouija board. And it, it opens up, um, I'm going to be real frank here, people who have any kind of tendency toward um, schizophrenia or hear voices should not use Ouija boards because it opens them up to hearing actual voices. And mm-hmm. you can't get rid of them if you're a schizophrenic. They t- begin to take over your consciousness. So just saying, not that not saying that Ouija boards makes people schizophrenic. I'm saying schizophrenics should not use Ouija boards, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, That's just what it is. And um, it was posted here, people with psychological disabilities are best to avoid occultism. No, I don't mean psychological disabilities. I mean schizophrenia, Ouija boards. Mm -hmm. I know plenty of people who are depressed or bipolar who are very uh, well adapted to occultism and other phases of occultism. Schizophrenia and Ouija boards do not mix. Very bad combination. Mm. Uh, Laurel Weber asked, um, I'd like to know more about how to test the spirit. This is great. Maybe we can each throw in a a suggestion here. I'll I'll throw in mine first. Um, I, I test the spirits by calling upon a higher power. So in the name of, it's a very common tradition, uh, and again in Virginian conjure, which is a lot, kind of overlaps quite a bit with uh, uh, the Pentecostal church quite a bit. Uh, we do a lot of sort of the testing. In the name of Jesus, I ask you to speak true. And if it's a false spirit, it will be unable to do so. You can do that within whatever cultural context you want, in the name of Yahweh, in the name of Allah, in the name of whatever your higher power is, a force that is greater than the entity you're contacting, you compel them or ask them in the name of that because no, no, they can't take a false vow in the name of that entity. Demons, for example, will flee at the name of, of the divine whether Jesus or Allah or whatever. Um, so that's one way to do it, is to call upon a higher power and charge them to speak true, and that's one way to test them. What are ways that you all test the spirits to ensure that they're spirits that will tr- speak truly or they're demonic or they're false? Well, I'll, I'll give you just my quick one. You just ask them their name yeah. and where they mm-hmm. came from. And you say, you know, if some, you say on the Ouija board, uh, tell me, you know, Tell me your, who is speaking. Tell me your name. They spell out their name, and you ask them, where did you come from? And I have actually had it happen. I'm not kidding. I've mentioned this before on the radio. You know, what's your name? They give you some name, and you say, where are you from? And you say, from hell. And you go, thank you. Goodbye. Close up the Ouija hmm. board. That's done. Um, they, they will answer true if you ask them where they're coming from. How about you, Robin? How do you test them? Well, I I call on my spiritual guide to open up the road for me to find out the answers if I'm using the Ouija board. A lot of times if you come across something and you know, and you, like I said, the smell and it's foul, if you ask them their name, they won't give it to you. Then you know you mm-hmm. because usually mm-hmm. if you especially if, if it's a bad spirit they'll tell you but if it's a mm-hmm. demon they're not going to say their name 
they'll they'll mm-hmm. they'll keep going yes no and the and the 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 the, the, the um triangle will just keep going back and forth back and forth yes no yes no yes no and they won't tell you their name because if they tell you their name you can destroy them so that mm-hmm. so you get, you can send them back to the abyss so that mm-hmm. that that is one way that you can tell uh, another way is sometimes if you having bad spirits you can feel them it's like a hot breath on the back of your neck if 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 they're messing with anyone that's in that circle or if it's just you because you can use a Ouija board just by yourself i wouldn't advise it but you can do it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah, those I, are I, some of the ways now we have another question here um which was um from um, Laurel Weber, and i got to go find her question. Um, she said, um, I lost it. Damn, what did she say? She did ask a good question, and now I've scrolled past it. I'm can so I, sorry. Can I read Cousin Joshua's real quick? Um, the, I okay, find great. Cousin that Joshua a, this has a really good comment here. Uh, I find that if you have a daily prayer slash spiritual practice, you can sometimes simply discern a trickster slash problematic spirit. This is very true, that if you've developed your abilities, you've developed that connection to spirit, sometimes you can just know. You don't have to test. You you get a sense, you know. Does a spirit bring a sense of calm and peace into your life, or do they come with chaos and destruction in your life? Do you smell sulfur? Do you smell shit? Do you smell, you know, horrible things? Or do you smell something, you know, good? You know, do you smell roses? These are all kind of small ways that you can tell that the spirit is unclean or a trickster or a positive spirit or an ancestor of some sort. Um, so, yeah, you, if you develop your, your spiritual practice, it'll start to act build, on building your spiritual intuition. And that in and of itself can be a way of testing the spirits to know which one has arrived. So what, what Laurel Weber asked was, would the spirits possibly lie? And we partially covered this. Demons will lie, but the question is, will angels yeah. lie? I have never experienced an angel lying. No. I have never experienced an ancestor lying, although some of them may not be the most forthcoming. You know, yeah. They may have a bad reputation in the family and not want to talk about it. But the only ones who lie are demons. So to me, or evil spirits, trickster spirits, and there are also uh, what I would call predator spirits, which we have not yet discussed. We've been talking about spirits in a religious context, demons, but there are also predator spirits, and these are spirits which you might call the spirit equivalent of a serial killer, or the spirit equivalent of a um, wild predator animal that doesn't give a for you or your life. These spirits are out there too, and they will lie. And they, um, to in order to catch them out, there are you know cultural and traditional ways of noticing them. Just give you one as an example. Um, Anyone who appears as a um, a spirit who appears as a black dog is suspect. I just don't. I mean, some black dogs are great. They're lovely black dogs. But if a spirit appears in the form of a black dog, you do have a warning there because a lot of spirits like to disguise themselves as black dogs. 
which gives black dogs mm-hmm. a bad reputation. And I didn't say black cats, by the way. I said black dogs. And in particular, there's a European tradition that they like to be curly-coated dogs, poodles, for mm. instance, Portuguese mm. water dogs, Spanish water dogs. Mm. We don't know why, but that's a real old belief, a cultural belief, that if you if if, if, a, if a poodle comes to you in spirit, watch out. Just, you know, ask some questions, like, are you a good boy? <laughs> and watch what happens. <laughs> but there are predator spirits who will come... Um, you know, you're trying to get a hold of your great aunt and you never have been able to have a contact with her after her death and suddenly she appears as this beautiful young woman, but there's something off. Mm-hmm. So you want to look at that spirit. One of the things that most often is off is look at their feet. Do they have goat's feet? I'm not kidding you. I mean, if mm-hmm. they have goat's feet, that's a problem, Okay. Mm-hmm. Or in the or in the Central African and South Asian tradition, are their feet backwards? That's another common way of of telling that if you look down at their feet, are their feet backwards? This is related to oh yes, uh, backwards uh, spirits that are uh, unclean or dangerous. Their feet will be on backwards. Yes. Now, Risen Raven and Laurel Webber both bring up a couple of interesting points. One is, doesn't that the dark man at the crossroads often appears a black animal? Yes, that is true. And that is one reason I think he is called the devil by people from a different culture to whom the black dog would be a devil. And then Laurel Webber said about her um, beloved deceased loving dog was a black lab. And I had had two Portuguese water dogs um, deceased who I love dearly. Um, no, it's not that all dogs are black dogs are inherently bad. It's just that if a spirit you've never seen and it's not the spirit of you know your dog you know Faustus or whatever, it's some black dog appears. You must ask kind of like you know what what's up with you. And Miss um, Michael said that Millarepa uh, asked the spirits what he could do to help them and thus tamed them. And that's a very good way to deal with them also, to say, um, mm-hmm. you know, is there anything I can do to help you? It disarms them, and they don't know, you, mm-hmm. you know, they they sometimes turns out that they're in some sort of a problem too. Um, mm. So they, you can help I, them and tame them and have them work for you. Right. Uh, let's, uh, let's ground, I mean, this is a phenomenal conversation. Let's ground it a little bit in the Ouija board and in divination. So I wanted to ask Miss Robin uh, a question. Let's say you really wanted to work with the Ouija board. You've taken all the caveats in mind that there are dangers involved, that you want to be careful. What would be your recommendation? Not, 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 you know, we're not giving out any free spells yet, but just in terms of like just process, what would you say is a good way to approach the Ouija board for someone who is just starting to use it? Would you recommend that they first start prayer, they do something afterwards? What is the sort of recommendation you would give if a client came to you and said, hey, you know what, I really want to try to contact great-grandma using the Ouija board? Well, first of all, I would let them be respectable of the board. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. And then the second thing, I would uh, use, like, the uh, cleansing of the board first. And, if, mm-hmm. and sometimes, and I know you guys were talking about how the you could tell was the bad spirits and looking at the feet and stuff. But if it's a spirit that you're trying to contact, sometimes, like I said, smell is the key. 
okay? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. sometimes you, if you can't visually see it, you can smell it. And you mm-hmm. can smell sometimes how a person used to smell to you or mm-hmm. a perfume they used to wear or a cologne that they are aftershave they used to have on all the time. And you always know that scent when they hit the room. You can you, you don't even have to have your eyes open or you could be a blind person and you can smell the scent of that person. Mm-hmm. You know that is the person that you're contacting, that they come across. And, and right. a, a lot of times Ouija boards don't work at first. It takes sometimes it takes a while, just like if you use the scare mirror or just like if you use the crystal ball. Things don't work all the time the first time. It depends on your energy and your power that you have yeah. inside. Yeah. You know, you you said something very interesting about smell because certainly smelling a cologne, smelling coffee, smelling tea are are good things. Clifford Lowe um just mentioned that in Jewish folklore there are similar ideas of um what he called anomalous um bestial traits, pointed ears, dog teeth. Absolutely. People who show up um as a spirit that you can see and um uh, but there's something wrong. That's what's wrong. They're not really people. <laughs> so now there are people who want to p- deal with the d- dark side of life. There are people who want to have that little bit of um, edgy experience, talking to a demon, maybe seeing what it's like on that side of the spiritual world. Um, and if you're going to do that, you need to have some way to banish them at the end of your spiritual session so we're going to talk about that later i think during the free spell also um how to close the portal when we're all done but this is something that you do have to remember that in working with a tool like the ouija board there's the opening there's the uh, conversation and there's the closing you don't just walk off and leave that that um uh, that guy with the pointy ears and the dog teeth sitting on your dining room table. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's not a good thing to do. So you have to bring the session to an end. And even if it's your beloved grandmother, because we're talking about the dangers today, but let's say it's your beloved grandmother, you have to say goodbye and uh, come again some other time. Um, And that that is part of the work that you have to do um, and, uh, you know, find out um, how they go home. It'll help you find them come back later. Now, people who venerate demons, which um, uh, demon, demonolators, um, not a big part of hoodoo culture, but certainly the uh, veneration of the black man at the crossroads does come under that idea, that so-called the devil at the crossroads. So there are people who work very closely with that spirit. So I would say it is a part of hoodoo. It's not something um, completely anomalous to hoodoo. But, again, it can be scary. And that brings up one other question, which is how scared do you think you can stand to be? Some people like to zip line and paraglide and skateboard, and some people don't. And spiritually speaking, you're not more powerful if you paraglide than if you don't. You're just a different person right so 
So there are people whose entire contact with the spirit realm consists of lighting devotional candles to God. That's it. They're God, them, the candle. That's it. That is not to say they're not powerful people, but it's to say that that is the path they've chosen. So not everybody um, needs to be a thrill seeker. Not everyone needs to live on the edge of danger. But if you want to live on the edge of danger, the Ouija board probably is the most dangerous divination tool. I have seen people who've told me they had a haunted pendulum. And, you know, you just tell them, bury it in salt and leave it overnight, and it'll be back, it'll be fine, and it is. Or leave it under the moon, leave it under the sun, leave it in salt. You know, go through a, 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 a series of cleansings, wash it with Florida water. You very rarely hear about a haunted pendulum that has afflicted three generations in one family. But you do hear about Ouija boards that have done that. So... Um, <laughs> Somebody asked, "Can you do that with your Ouija board?" No, you're not going to bury your Ouija board in salt. That is not. <laughs> that's not. That's too much salt, man. That's a waste of good salt. Koshering your Ouija board. Um, <laughs> but different, you know, different um, people talk about haunted tarot decks. I've had one. I've had one haunted tarot deck, and it was definitely haunted. And I put it away in a tin, and I never used it again. Uh, it was not mine. I had not purchased it. It had come to me through the death of the person who had owned it, and I I played with it one day, and I went, this this is not my tarot deck. But you can tell um, the energy was off. There was a, uh, as Robin mentioned, there was a strange smell. And But you can mm, put those okay. things away. If I had hated it, I would have burned it, but it was a nice tarot deck, so I kept it. Just put it back in its tin, you know, and said goodbye. And I've never opened that tin again. It's somewhere else. And so, again, the problem with the Ouija board is that it's an attractive nuisance. It's there. It's big. You could drive a spiritual truck through it, right, into your living room. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's that's true. I also I recommend uh, people... When people are interested in uh, spirit, uh, some type of Ouija board work, I always recommend familiar spirits over unfamiliar ones. You're oh, always going to have you're always going to have better luck using the Ouija board to contact your uh, great grandfather or whatever. More so than if you're just hanging out with your friends and like, hey, any spirit that's got wandering by, come on in, right? Sure, that can be, mm-hmm. you know, some people do that, and some of them have really great experiences, and that's certainly possible, but that's always going to be more dangerous. It's the difference between inviting a stranger off the street and inviting your friend over for dinner, right? Mm-hmm. If you want to contact your, your ancestors using a Ouija board, that's those instances where I think a Ouija board can be a very useful tool, particularly for those that don't have skills in mediumship. Maybe you don't dream about spirits. Maybe you don't hear them, see them, but you can contact them via the Ouija board. So you develop, you set up an ancestral altar, you work with your ancestors, and you use the Ouija board to communicate with them. So familiar spirits are always going to be a little bit easier and and more productive or constructive to work with than unfamiliar spirits. That's that is true. And with the Ouija board, you don't have to accept that you've just opened a door. It's you know. Times Square, Grand Central Station, you don't have to. You just simply say, I am calling you, you know, and you call who you want to call and see if they come up. Okay. Wow. Well, thank you, Ms. Robin, for this topic and for giving us some real practical tips. Um, We're going to 
turn this over to Evan, and we're going to have a reading with someone we've never had a reading with before. Yay! <laughs> Stay tuned. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour with your host, Catherine Ironwood, Conjurman, and this week's special guest, Miss Robin, will be right. Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com. And by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners located online at readersandrootworkers.org. And by Hoodoo Psychics, the first psychic line run entirely by Hoodoo Practitioners. Receive a reading with a trusted root worker instantly. Call 1-888-4-HOODOO or visit hoodoopsychics.com. And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches, located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phones and talk to our clients. And our client is Penny, calling from area code 707. Penny, are you there? Yes, I am. Great. Thank you so much for giving us a call today. Uh, Penny writes, one of my closest friends, oh, pardon me, sorry, I skipped a bit. Uh, it appears as per your entry, you have not had a reading with uh, either Miss Cat or our not. guest, but you did have a reading with Conjurman on this uh, a while back. Is that correct? Um, I've never had a reading from Conjurman Ali, but I have from Cat, and it was maybe eight years ago or so, maybe nine. Ah, okay, I see. Perfect. Thank you for clarifying. All right, so of course. Penny writes, One of my closest friends has come back to me after getting divorced uh, about two years ago. We spend time together frequently, and I find that these friend dates are becoming more romantic. I'm curious about what energies are present here for him and the potential relationships. The potential relationships. So I would greatly love and appreciate some solid guidance on this matter. Turning it over to you. Okay, well... um uh, Penny's message, as I saw it in the forum, was quite a bit longer, and I'm going to read a little bit of that. We've been lovers in the past. He came back towards me after his divorce two years ago. Two of us uh, spend time together regularly. And although I have been dating others, I find these friend dates are seemingly becoming more romantic. And um, and the whole text was put into the chat, so we have the whole text. But what I kind of noticed was... Um, that he is physically nervous, Um, he's shy and mysterious, and then it says, I sense that I would probably have to invite his advancement of the potential, but I'm fearful of screwing up a great friendship and losing him altogether. All right, so now we have kind of the the idea of this. This is a um, question I'm going to ask you, Penny. What is your sign of the zodiac? I am a Pisces sun. But I also have a stellium. My Pisces sun is in my fifth house, um, and I'm a, I'm a, both Venus and Mars are Pisces as well. Um, I'm a oh, Scorpio rising. He is a he is a Virgo sun, and mm. his Venus is Scorpio, as is my rising. Mm-hmm. I see. So the, the Virgo is the problem. You got that. If you know enough astrology to tell me that, I'm going to tell the audience what that meant. Um, Pisces very romantic, very very poetic, very musical, very artistic. Scorpio is very sexual. We've got um, some of that going on, but we have a big um, a big um, undigestible Virgo happening here, which is yeah. Virgo uh, Sun opposed to your Pisces opposites track. They say. But Virgo is the virgin, and Virgo is not the most conducive to um, start a romantic or sexual relationship. 
they often have a boundary issues that they want to keep up a boundary even when they are mm-hmm. in a sexual relationship they are mm. not that you know all in on it so there's your issue okay and you knew it already before you asked this question thank you for letting us know um sure. and no no offense against virgos it's i'm not saying that at all they make great lovers and great people with the right kind of people but Virgo and Scorpio, not so good. <laughs> so all that Scorpio energy is, has no place to go. All right. Now I'm going to do a reading. I'm going to pick three cards. This will be a tarot card reading. Card number one is a, a card that says there is a problem, and the problem may continue. And I'm not going to say that this is, uh, you know, I always want everyone to have sex and love and be happy. And, you know, everybody should have all the lovers they want and all the marriages they want and all the permanency and all of the experimentation. Whatever you want in sex, you should all have it. These cards don't say that this is going to be the best person to do it with. So we have the Five of Cups, and the Five of Cups is a card of a person who has suffered a loss and is still in a grief situation and is not paying attention to what's going on in the future. They're looking at the past. So um, the skittishness that you see is based on presumably the divorce and maybe other things that have happened as well. I don't know whether this person may have some sexual dysfunction or they might have some health dysfunction, because this card can mean that. But it also has to do with um, sorrow fixing on the past. Not a very good card to start with. It is not a card that immediately leads to marriage or happiness. Um, It's not the be-all and end-all, because it's card number one. So for card number two, we have... um, a card that tells me you can make a difference in this situation. And the card is called Judgment or the Archangel Gabriel and the dead come back to life. Archangel Gabriel blows the trumpet. The dead come back to life out of their coffins. So this is the return of old feelings. But it's going to take some kind of a wake-up blast. Some kind of... So that kind of answers your question. Am I going to be the one who announces this? And I think it will never happen unless somebody announces it. So um, I don't know if this person is too shy, and I don't know what what will you do if the person says, no, I I don't want to have sex with you. You're going to have to be prepared for a no as well as a yes, but nothing will happen without you being the one to say it because Archangel Gabriel blows the trumpet. And the possibility of of the revival of the relationship to a romantic one is there but it's not a foregone conclusion however leaving this person to think it out on their own probably will not result in a relationship now the third card is the card of the queen of cups and this is a card of a woman who is psychic and can look inside of a person so I take it that you have some psychic abilities. You certainly know astrology. Is that correct? Are you a reader? I am a card reader. I've been studying a student of the tarot for over 25 years. Well, gee whiz. Howdy, ma'am. Hello. <laughs> 
the the Queen of Cups just came out, your Pisces self, right? Mhm. And um so this is a this tells me that you can look within. You might want to do a mind reading session. I'm sure you can. Um okay. but my feeling here is that you need to there's something inside this person's brain or body that needs attention. This card is also the card of medical practitioners, often is shown in the readings that I do for nurses and social workers and uh, psychiatrists, as well as card readers. And so if you sit sit down um, with um, a candle as a good symbol of a person or a photo, and just start to stare into that photo's eyes or look at the candle flame and say, tell me, true tell me what's in your mind you will be able to know and um i although i can tell you there's a problem i can see the problem at five of cups i can see that that person will not wake up without a stimulus but i'm also seeing that if you look inside you'll be able to see and know some of the uh truth of what is being thought you have a psychic reading ability that goes beyond cards with this card you see Yes. All right, I'm going to I'm going to um turn this over to Robin and she's going to do a reading. Thank you, Miss Cat. Sure. Ms. Robin. I'm having tip difficulties I'm trying to do three things at one time. Hello, my dear. Hmm. Hello Being there. That you are dealing with a Virgo. Let me tell you a secret. Miss Robin is a Virgo. So Ooh. I know how we work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all here. Okay. Being that we uh, we tend to carry our emotion on our sleeves, if we have been very hurt, we be, become very, very cautious. We don't tend to jump into things with our eyes closed. We tend to sit there and look at a person and then judge how the feelings go. If you need to open up this man to come to you in a more sexual way, you have to show more than speak. Okay. Because listening, we don't hear. We show with emotion. So you have to show with emotion. If you're still dating other people, that gives him a reason to stand back. This person has been very hurt in a a relationship that he just got out of. He's still devastated from it. So that's why he's not opening up because he doesn't want to get hurt again. We tend to put up walls when we get hurt. And And we don't sit up there... And, and we are good people. He is a good man. Very he much is a good so. provider. Okay? And we tend to like things a little perfect, sometimes too much perfect. If we can all phone <laughs> our, our, a certain individual, we would. Okay? But we have to we reserve ourselves. Sexual... It's not the most fundamental thing with us. More is enduring of the heart is okay. more closer to us. 
than than sex. So if you win them over with your heart, the sex will come naturally. All right. Okay, Congressman Ali, your turn. Thanks, Ms. Uh, Robin. You've gotten some some fantastic uh, advice here and some fantastic readings here. I'm going to give you some root work that is based off of what they've said. I just want to add here that you said you were a Scorpio rising with your Mars and Venus in the fifth house. Is that what you said? Yes, fifth house, Pisces. Okay, so this is something to, to, to be aware of, and I think it's, it's crucial, is that when you have that Mars-Venus in that fifth house, that, you know, the Mars ruling over your ascendant, that's great. There's a great deal of sexual energy there. Mars and Venus can complement each other, but it also can mean that you, wanna, you do want to be careful that you don't come off as too aggressive when it comes to this situation right. um, because the, the, it will be off-putting. Mars is a self-defeating planet. The one of the sort of worst aspect of Mars, the good aspect of Mars is that it makes you courageous, it makes you bold, it makes you, you know, a leader. And the worst aspect of Mars is that it, it makes you self-defeated. Self-inflicted wounds are very common with, with situations. You just want to be mindful. And so what I want you to do is to take it in a very gentle approach. And I think Ms. Robin really rightly pointed out uh, that Virgos can be quite hesitant here when they've been hurt, and that's a key component. The past experience is, very, is, is, is going to play a big, big role here. Um, and when it comes to Virgos, people talk about Virgos as, as virginal and that they're not – no, no. You know, the Vir, Virgo means something else, virginal in terms of harvest, not in terms of sex. They're, they're mm-hmm. as sexy as any other sign. They can be amazing lovers when they trust you. When they open up, when, mm. that, when that happens, then it's amazing. And so that's the key. How do we get this person to open up? How do we overcome those difficulties? And so what I want you to do is work with a white skull candle. And this okay. is what Miss Cat was talking about with her uh, psychic connection here. Take the bottom of this skull candle, carve it out. You can heat a spoon or, or a knife, and you're just going to carve out the bottom a little bit. You're going to put in some rose petals and cuba berries. Cuba berries are really good to help with uh, issues of reluctant lovers. I use Cuba berries to overcome any type of love obstacle. When someone is unwilling, someone is hesitant, or someone is doubting, Cuba berries is a really great way of breaking through that barrier. It works fantastically. Melt and you're, wax saying, back. you're saying Cuba berries? Cuba berries. Oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, Cuba berries and rose petals. And you're going to melt this back over. Then you are going to take this skull candle and baptize it in his name. You are now so-and-so in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, or whatever your spiritual tradition is. Just make that connection to this person. If you have a personal concern of them, like the hair, which I think you should have if you're you know, communicating with this person, you can mm-hmm. place it inside that uh, skull candle along with the rose petals and the cube of the berry. Now place this... Uh, candle in a circle of violet leaves. Now, it should be put on something heat-proof, some type of dish of some sort. Then you're going to ring it with violet leaves, which are great for healing the heart and overcoming heartache. I think the past pain is playing a factor here. Then inscribe onto the skull candle, open up to me, speak to me, love me, over and over again, on that skull candle, as many times as it takes until you feel it sink into his spirit. 
Anoint this skull candle with love me oil and feeling oil. Light it and then peer into its eyes until you make a connection. So stare okay. into this skull candle in the same way that Ms. Cat was talking about to build that connection, that psychic sense there. And then have a full conversation with him. Talk to him about what you want to talk about as if he were there. Tell him that he can okay. trust you. Tell him that you care about him, that you won't hurt him, that you can build something meaningful, that he should speak to you, that communication is the key, and so on and so forth. Have a full-on conversation and then snuff out that skull candle. Repeat this over seven days. I would recommend writing down what you want to say to him in advance. I think that works really well with a Virgo, but you can also speak from your heart. Whichever way you can take the Virgo approach or the Pisces approach, I feel it works here. But you do want to repeat what you're saying, at least in essence. Don't change up the message. So over those seven days, you want to keep the message consistent. On the final day, I want you to let the candle burn all the way down. Then bury the leftover wax in your front yard. Take the violet leaves. You can bury some of them with the wax. The rest of them, take it and mix it with come-to-me powder and dirt. You're going to take half of this mixture and sprinkle it where he will walk through specifically on his property or wherever he lives. Sprinkle a little bit of it. It's just dirt. He won't see it. You're going to sprinkle it so that he walks through it. The other half you're going to bring back home, leave a a little bit of it at your front door, and the rest of it put underneath your mattress. This is to work with the uh, earth component. Virgos uh, are very, very mercurial, so we've got this skull candle to work with their mind, but they're powerful earth signs. They're very, they're, they're very, very robust in regards to this. So we want to work with this element of earth to quite literally walk him to your bed, from his okay. house to your bed. And you're going to leave the other half under your mattress. Then the next step, and this is the most practical the conversation that you had with him in spirit, you must then have with him in person. Have ah, that conversation, okay. set a said time, say, hey, let's have a conversation, don't frighten him off, but then have it open. You don't have to have it in one day. You can break this conversation up in little bits in pieces so that it's digestible, but you want to have that same conversation. I want you to know that you can always open up with me, reach out and touch him. And then the next day, maybe you'll be like, hey, you know, let's talk about, you know, where things are headed. Little by little, have that same conversation. And this will help to walk him into the type of relationship you are desiring. That's what I recommend here. I'm going to turn this over to Ms. Kat and um, Ms. Robin and see if they have anything further to add. Thank you. Wow. Well, that was that was really good. Ali, I want to send a shout-out to Cousin Joshua, who transcribed pretty much the whole spell. That was really nice of you. Cousin we Joshua, much cousin appreciated. Uh, <laughs> fast typist. Um, and uh, I, the only thing I would add to this is the idea of the violet leaves. Violet leaves can be used in tea. And um, you might, if you ever make tea for this person, you could just add a pinch of violet leaves. Not enough to change the flavor or anything mm-hmm. like that. But violet leaves or pansy leaves, which is called heart's ease, to um, to just give him something to drink. You could even put cubeb berries. If you make a spicy chai, cubeb berries will go in chai. And Certainly. so, and you might as well put a little bit of rose petals in too. So you might make a tea with those three ingredients. They're all edible. Blend them into some black tea maybe to wake him up like Archangel Gabriel. That's my feeling 
of what I would add to it. I always like to do a little bit of contact magic if possible, preferably with botanicals, teas and washes. All right, there is our music. So we're going to turn this over to the fabulous scheduled announcement from our network. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays, 1 to 2. And Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 7 to 8. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time to go to our free spell segment with Miss Robin of robinsmojo.com. Take it away, Miss Robin. Uh oh, where's Miss Robin? No, don't tell me we've lost Miss Robin, right? Oh, no, I'm sorry. I was on mute because I didn't want to hear my little typing keys. I'm over here trying to type because I couldn't get my cell to get over to the PDF. So I'm going to just say it. Um, the spell that I have that I will read to you, it was if you would like to, when you like to use your Ouija board, and it's to make sure that you have good spirits that come through on your Ouija board. By starting cleaning your Ouija board with a white cloth and some floor to water. Um, You want to wipe your Ouija board down, and then you want to smoke it with some frankincense and myrrh, or you can use sage if you don't have the other. Okay? Then the other thing is you can also use some Indian spirit guide incense or some psychic incense. Psychic incense might be good too because you're you're using your ability to call on the other world. Okay? When um doing your Ouija board you might want to put some blessing oil and a cross motion in the back. And like I said before earlier, you might want to wash your hands before using it and with some Florida water putting the blessing oil in your palm of your hand in the shape of a cross and above your forehead. And when closing, because you like, as Kat said, you don't want to leave the little man up there with the fangs like the dog, (laughs) you want to clean your Ouija board so you can leave the spirit back as you sitting up there closing. Clean your Ouija board off with some Florida water, okay? And that's all I have to say. All right. Well, that's a really simple, very direct thing. Um, We Mm. didn't uh, get your PDF in time. It's going to be in the chat log, so all of those of you who are listening in the archive, just check the chat log. It'll be there when she sends it. Right, Ms. Robin? Yeah, um, I got a few more. I don't type fast like cats. (laughs) (laughs) It's all right. All right. 
Um, all right. And Cousin Joshua has made a kind of a, a compressed version of it. Thank you, Cousin Joshua, the fastest typist in America. Um, well, I'm, I'm going to say uh, one more thing I'd like to add about this, about the white cloth and Florida water. Um, make sure when you do this, if you have a Ouija board that has a paper surface, that you don't you know, be pouring Florida water all over it. You don't want to take the surface off. If you have a paper surface on it that you don't feel like you can put Florida water on, put the Florida water on the white cloth, wave it back and forth till it starts to evaporate, and then wipe it down. So you're not trying to wet the thing. That's real important. Mm. Um, I've seen people ruin good antiques with Florida water, pouring Florida water. But well, okay, well, it was frankincense. It, it, and I, don't, I don't mean to interrupt you, Kat, but um, okay. if they can't, if they have a paper one that's real fragile. If they can't use Florida water, they can also order some blessing powder from Lucky Mojo, and they can put it on there, and they can blow it off. Mm. That's true. You could use a sachet powder. That would work also. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. But I like the frankincense and myrrh. Those are old traditional holy resin incenses. I don't like sage myself. I will suggest right. mugwort for those who love mugwort, which I do not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mugwort is used by many people to smoke their crystal balls. And it's also very good for smoking Ouija board. So go for it. Also, pine resin is used um, for smoking to get rid of negative spirits and ghosts, but it will be friendly to good spirits and ghosts. So if you've had a bad experience with a Ouija board, you could smoke it with pine resin. That kind of resets it, you see. So I I like the idea of smoking these and um, and rather than um, oiling them, but you can oil them, of course. And um, if you're going to oil the Ouija board, I do it the way you do a talisman, which is around the edges, where you just take yeah. the oil, put it on your finger, and you just go around the edge of the thing, and that defines its edge. And again, you might use any kind of thing. Now, there are going to be people who are going to say, if they're not going to say it in this chat log, they're going to say it um, to me afterwards. Well, why not just dress it with black arts oil? And that way I'll have real contact with spirits. And I'm like, yeah, you go look at the label of black arts oil, and you want those spirits? Okay, you'll get them. You will get them if you use black arts oil. There are two, three other oils that can also be used, or the incenses. One of them is um, spirit guide. This is very commonly used in the spiritual church movement, spirit guide incense. The other one is Indian spirit incense for people who like to work with spirits of Native Americans, very common practice in the spiritual church. And the third one is psychic vision incense. Now, again, you can use any of those as powders as well, and you can blend them. And um, I uh, am particularly fond of the the blend of uh, spirit guide, Indian spirit guide, and psychic vision, but I would leave black arts out unless you are someone like Cliff Lowe who has been known to play around with these things more than a little. And also Conjurman probably has used black arts uh, more, a few more times than he ought to have, right, Conjurman? <laughs> yeah, I have indeed. I was just going to add that uh, for people who are using uh, Florida water, I also recommend just dashing a little bit of the Florida water on your hands. Uh, that the process yes. of cleansing and purifying isn't just the, the board, but also yourself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And 
Uh, somebody wrote here, Crucible of Courage. Um, no, I didn't mean Crucible of Courage. That would not be what I would be using. Uh, Lucky Spirit Incense. Lucky Spirit Black Incense is another one. Um, it's a very um, low-priced incense. You get more of it for your money uh, because it doesn't have any herbs in it. It is made with um, the uh, the scent that is in uh, Special Oil Number 20 which is also a cheaper oil because there are no herbs in it. And um, that that particular Lucky Spirit incense is used for perfuming a room where you're going to do a seance. There is the music. (laughs) And um, I hope everyone has learned a little caution. I hope everyone's learned a trick or two and knows now how to dedicate your Ouija board, and how to avoid danger in divination. The biggest danger is not demons. The biggest danger is fraudulent readers. We've Mm. talked about them before. We just touched on them here. But there are demons out there, so beware. All right, we're going to turn this over to Evan Lionheart. He's going to make our announcements, and then we're all going to come back and make a few more speeches, and that'll be the end of it, and we'll all say goodbye. Take it away, Evan. Well, thank you, Ms. Kat and Conjurman and Ms. Robin of robinsmojo.com in Northern California uh, for being our guest this week. Join us next week for the Oracle Hour with Lady Muse on candle readings. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour was brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find Miss Cat via the Lucky Mojo forum at forum.luckymojo.com and Conjurman at conjurmanconsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. I'm your announcer, Evan Lionheart, joining you from EvanLionheart.com in New Jersey. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available in archive via LuckyMojo.com forward slash radio show HTML. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at the same time when you will hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you, Evan. And all of you guys, remember, Evan is going to be teaching a workshop at the 2021 Virtual Hoodoo Heritage Festival, Mm -hmm. Introduction to Astrology, a subject with which he is very familiar. Now, I'm going to be at that festival, too, and I'm going to be teaching a workshop on down-home sex magic. Conjurman Ali is going to be at that workshop uh, at that festival teaching a workshop on defense against the dark arts and Ms. Mm-hmm. Robin is also going to be teaching a workshop and you got a little taste of what she was talking about just a taste of it <laughs> with this radio show but she's going to go in way deep so if you haven't bought your tickets yet for the festival go to hoodooheritagefestival.com purchase your tickets and be sure that you'll get a goodie box full of products that you can use while following along in the workshops. Good night. Good night, all. Good night. Bye-bye.